That I'm at an all-time Welcome to the Strap It Down White Sox Baseball Podcast. It's July 20th. This is Suds. I'm here with the Schwab tonight. Us two tonight, Schwabby. It's been a little bit of a layoff, and things have not gotten better. You know, it's it's. Uh, I was reading a Twitter post earlier today. How about you know? He just doesn't care about the White Sox anymore, and it's one of those where they've got a way of just killing your hopes and any optimism you have. And it makes <laughs> and as much as I enjoy, I enjoy doing these a whole lot, right? Enjoy seeing you, enjoy talking to me, uh, enjoy our, some of our guests, but it is hard to get the spirit to talk about a team that is fourth in the worst division in baseball. Uh, and behind the Detroit Tigers? Yeah, I mean, it's... <laughs> you you couldn't even find the words for that. It, it's, it's impressive when you're four back on the Tigers and nine back on a team that's oh two over 500. God. So we had our last show June 30th. So we took a little time off for the All-Star break. We we had some vacations mixed in there. We're back tonight. I mean, hopefully we could hang in there a little bit. I know the deadline's coming up. Like you said, it's it's hard to do this when you're 16 games under. So we we got to we got to find a way to hang in there till the end, especially when we're in the prime of supposedly our contention window. No, it's it's been a a glorious contention window, let me tell you. <laughs> this is uh if this is what we have this year, we clearly have a lot to look forward moving forward. You know what the the most frustrating thing about this hypothetical contention window <laughs> is the most? How, how set up, how perfectly set up it was for us. Like literally, everyone in the division sucks. We were supposed to be, we were supposed to be the best team, and not only that, every other team in the AL Central is essentially. Not rebuilding, but like the Twins and the Guardians are kind of no man's land. I mean, they're benefiting from us being terrible when we should be good. The Tigers stink. The Royals stink. It was set up. It was literally the red carpet was laid out for us. Well, right right when, you know, we kind of went through our rebuild, I think the Twins and the Guardians were kind of at the the heights of their of their peak, right? Right, kind exactly. of the best, the best version was, of them. Which is perfect timing. Right. Like, that's so, what you want. And they both have gone down since we've been on this <laughs> somewhat hypothetical <laughs> rise to power. Um, you know, they both have, they both have been worse. And yet this year we said, you know what, hold my beer. Let me show you how bad we really can be. You know where it's all downhill from? I think it was a White Sox. It was the actual White Sox Twitter account when they tweeted out the Will Smith photo. And it said, wondering if the rest of the AL Central is going to show up. That I think that was the downfall of everything. I, there are a lot of dates you can pick as the downfall. You can pick that one. You can pick uh, Larusa's intro Twitter post with AJ Hinch, AJ Hinch's <laughs> signature. Um, you know, there's there's been a a handful of uh, you know egg on the face moments for the Sox. 
So last time we talked, 15 games were played. We went five and ten. It's where you want to be right now. You know, it's uh, the <laughs> the only positive, right? The only positive is the worst thing that can happen to the Sox is this leading up to the deadline, and you hope that the next ten days they don't manage to fall into something fluky. But you don't want to give them a reason to try to buy. Yeah. Right. Let's make this abundantly clear that we are not going anywhere. This team is broken. This team is not what you're expecting. You need to sell off anything you can get. I'm such a glutton for punishment. I hope we sweep the Twins to get back in it this weekend. I, but I totally agree. That's the, the silver lining of the whole thing is that we're so bad that you could actually get something back for a Giolito, a Lance Lynn, some of these other guys. I, I mean, that's I, that was unimaginable when we were talking on our first podcast. If you told me that that's what was going to happen when we recorded back in May, I, I would be, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I'd be furious then and I'm furious now. So I guess, you know, nothing has changed with me. Uh, it's one of those where, you know, you look at the standings of in Major League Baseball, right? And you look at things that are, can be, look at teams that you may think have disappointed. And I have a hard time... There are a couple that you can you can talk about and you can make arguments for as big bigger disappointments in the Sox. Um, I think there's one team that probably is, but who's that? Cardinals. Padres. Yeah. Okay. I thought you were going to say Cardinals, but Cardinals no. are actually like they they've gotten hot recently. Oh, and and they you know the Cardinals are they've been relying on old pitchers and random pitchers for a while now, and I think they finally kind of run out of some of their magic. But yeah. like the Padres being five games under. 10 back in the division, you know, talking about selling off Soto. How many games under are they? Uh, five, 46 and 51. Oh my I called that shit, by the way. Remember last year? Oh, Tui, we had the Tui talk. Was, I called, I think I said I, they were my pick and then they. Oh, I course, thought that was Tui. I, and I was saying that, you know, they're like, it's like he's playing Madden. That's how he, he's oh, the for GM. Sure. It's, that's very much, it's a really good Is way. Is it Preller? Play. Is that the guy's name? AJ Effort? Preller, yeah. I believe. Yeah. Yeah. He, no, they're six he, and a half. Six and a half back for the wild card. Okay. Um, behind three, three teams. They have to that's jump the, three teams. They have to the jump problem. four teams. Yeah. Just to make it in, right? Dimebacks and Giants are tied for it, or you know, have the last two spots, and then it's Phillies, Marlins. Phillies and Marlins are the same, right? Everyone's essentially right there. Um, and then the Reds are a game back, and then there's the Padres, four and six and a half back. Dude, that's bad. But the Cubs and you, you, Cubs and Mets trailing them by half a game. Well, oh, that's another good one. Mets. Mets are moving another good one. Yeah, but I think Mets are Mets in theory should be more hypothetical because they've never you know they weren't. They were good last year. They were. They were solid. Edwin Diaz. Oh, Edwin. they're missing him big. They just missed the guy playing the trumpet. <laughs> Speaking of Edwin Diaz, they could have used him for Game One against the White Sox. Dude, where that thing was, we're we're gonna talk about that a little bit because that I, I mean, might as well just get into that one because that was part of the last fifteen set. We lose eleven ten. I think watching I watched that whole game, which is like, hey, ah, that's punishment. Like punishment. Yeah, that was the worst managed game in the last three years. Yeah, you were really Sox. you were really in on that being a horrible Pedro game. So why don't you uh, kind of give us your thoughts on that one? Two two things. So, the first one being 
Giolito just doesn't show, right? So that's not on Pedro. Gio was rough that game. And I, I don't I don't even disagree necessarily with Pedro when he t- I mean he I think he lasted three and two thirds. He he basically gave you four innings. Fine. He sucked. He gave up seven runs with a runner on. And I think at that point it was seven to three when he came out. So here's my thing. Swab, interested to get your opinion on it. And to me, this is so such a traditional and, and this is why I get so aggravated about it because it's something that Ricky did. They were, they were, it's something they were, that they were Tony eight did. To two when he came out. No, 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 because uh, Shaw gave up a run. So well, seven but they were Geo's runs. Right, exactly. But Shaw gave up. Yeah, okay. Right, so seven to two. All right, it doesn't, it, that's fine. Okay. So thank you for clarifying. That's a good point. So seven to two in the fourth inning. A two at the end of the fourth, yeah. At the end of the fourth, but at the point that Geo yeah. gets pulled. Because here, here's what I'm, my point that I'm making, and and what I hate about it is how many innings do you gotta how, how many innings do you gotta clear at that point? You gotta get five innings from your bullpen, right? So you know for sure that you gotta use probably minimum three relievers. It, in that situation, if I'm Pedro Gafal and we were just coming off a day off, right? So we have a fresh bullpen. I would go to if I know like. Best case scenario, I use three relievers. Maybe I could get like two out of somebody, right? Two innings. I'm going, the first pitcher I bring in is my third worst reliever. I do not bring in my worst reliever. Shaw, I mean, shit. I'm putting blame on Pedro, but why is Brian Shaw in the major leagues, let alone on the Chicago White Sox? I I didn't know he was so... I, I What's his no ERA? What, what is his ERA? It's currently a little, well, at least after that game, it was 11.37. <laughs> and he didn't, did he um, have any earned? He had one or two. But he, oh, that game he walked away with one earned run. He was he was fantastic. But he gave up one. He inherited one and he gave it up yeah. for Gio. That was his eighth. But my point is, okay, maybe I, I, I'm not against using Shaw in the game because you're getting blown out, Just right? don't use him first. Don't use him first. Right. Don't use him first. Stay in the game as long as possible. You know you have to, and you know who I eventually brought in, who I would have brought in if I was a manager, is Raylo. Because Raylo came in after Shaw and after Tanner Banks. Yeah. So Shaw, if you t- know Tanner. if you know you're using Raylo, then use him. Use him right away. Stay in the game. Because you know what happens when you stay in the game? You might put up a crooked number, and then... You're within one or two runs, and then you're not going to Shaw. Right. Then you're not going to Tanner Banks, and you're using your you're not using your best bullpen guys, but you're not using your two worst. Right. And how do we lose that game? We lose eleven ten because he goes to Tanner. He goes to Shaw, and then Tanner Banks. Tanner Banks gives up a three run homer, and we're down eleven to four. And lo and behold, we rally in the eighth. We rally in the ninth, and we end up losing by a run. That game, they should have never have scored eleven runs. Pedro totally packed it in, and we lost that game. I'm fine. I'm fine if he does that, and it's April 15th. Yeah. You know, it's a long season. We're 15 games under 500. If you're serious about trying to get back in the thing, which maybe he's not at this point. Maybe we're, like, totally, you know, maybe Rick's had a conversation. We're selling. But if you're Pedro Grafal in your first year of managing, how are you packing it in? When you have to, it's no longer, we need a plan for tomorrow. You're in a situation where you have to win every game. Right. 
or you at least have to try to win every year. Well, and that was one of the things I think we said early in the pot, you know, early podcast this year is that we liked that Pedro was playing every game to win, right? He, yeah. it wasn't, you know, Timmy wouldn't start that game, but he'd bring Timmy in to pinch hit. Yeah. He was doing those little things to try to make those moves. And as of late, he's making poor moves. He's asleep at the wheel. He's doing, you know, various things. And it's just, he's not, he's not giving them the best chance to win every night, it seems. Seems like he's regressing, which is frustrating because there was a point in the season where I thought he was getting much better because you remember early on, he had to find out for himself the relievers that couldn't throw in high leverage. And yeah. I, it seemed like he picked up on it. But now he's just going backwards and it's killing me. I mean, this is the worst team that we've had. This is the worst team than we had when we were rebuilding. Right. I mean, this team is just, it's a, it's a hot mess, you know. Uh, That's number one. Everything about it. Number one, Schwab. Number two was the eighth inning. We rally. Okay, we're down 11-4 going into that inning. And I, I need you to fact check me here. But we get to a situation where it's 11-8. to Well, you said 11-4 going into what inning? Into the eighth. Seventh. We put a five in the seventh. Okay, so it's going to, oh, even earlier. Okay. Yeah, put a five in the seventh. Okay, fine. So the 11, that's even like, you, that's even a better argument for me. It's 11 to four. Yep. We get, we get it to 11 to eight at this point, and it's second and third. Okay. So, and we have our eighth hitter up, and our eighth hitter, we end up pinch hitting for to bring in, because uh, it was a lefty. Yep. It was Colas. So he brings in Perez, I think, to pinch yep. it for, for Oscar, which I'm fine with, right? Because Oscar, it's like at this point, is not proven. I, at some point, we got to have him face lefties. Not the time because we need to win. So I'm fine with that. At this point, we have Grandal. I think he was hitting sixth. We have Perez now pinch hitting at eighth. And then we have Sebi on deck at ninth. Yeah, Grandal's on first. Yep. I'm he, sorry, Grandal's on second. Grandal pinch hit. Or, I'm sorry. Grandal's on second. Remillard's on first. Yeah, and Grandal DH this game. Yeah. So Perez ends up walking, yep. right? One out. 11 to 8. Yep. Ninth hitter up. Sebi's up. So you have Perez who pinch hit for Oscar and Grandal's DHing. So you don't want to lose the DH. So Perez goes catcher, right? Could. So we have. On the bench, you have Elvis, you have Gavin Sheets. Lefty's in. Yep. And he keeps Sebi in. Yep. Bases loaded, one out. Now, after first pitcher, Sebi is a wild pitch, so it turns into second, third with one out. 1-0 one -oh count. Even more reason, with 1-0 -oh count, I'd run out somebody else. But you're, you're going to let Sebi hit in that situation? And you know what even bothers This maybe is not on Pedro, but is a little bit for me, because Aloy played today. I would tell Aloy, get out there with one leg and pinch it. Get your ass out there. If you're, and this is a Rick problem too that we need to talk about. If you're hurt, you go on the IL because we, you cannot take a roster spot. We do that all the time. I think if you look at, I would tell you, now again, there's no way to like prove this. And I think this metric is probably impossible to tell. But I would tell you the Sox have to lead the league in, uh, Let's call them dead days, right? Where yeah. they have players on the active roster who you cannot play in that game because of injury, because of usage, whatever. Like, I've complained about this with pitching all the time, right? We'll have these pitchers who are guys who are, you know, are AAA pitchers who are up because we need innings, 
and they'll throw three innings, and we won't immediately send them back to Charlotte to bring up a new arm. Yeah, we said this dead spot in our in our in our pen. Yeah, why like, would you? Why would you not good. do it? Yeah, send him if if we if we bring him up and send him down four times, we got DFA him at some point in time. Fine. Yeah. Right. Or he's going to prove valuable enough when we bring him the second or third time, and we're not going to send him down. But right now, he's just a utility arm that we are using to get through a series, to get through a a month, to get through an IL stint from someone else. Like, he takes just, up a spot, and then you know what happens the next game. We're either up by six or we're down by six, and Graveman somehow pitches. The amount of time. Oh. <laughs> I'm, I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna let. I'm gonna. Not gonna. No. I'm not gonna go there. This this might be a Hawk Harrelson moment of silence. I, like I, I like I, I vividly remember having these conversations <laughs> in the last like year or two, and it would be like, oh, you know, we we got smoked yesterday. We did stupid shit. We ran our bullpen, and now we're down seven. And Kendall Graveman in for the seventh. And now the next day, when we're in a two run game. Kendall can't pitch because Kendall can't go back-to-back games. And what the fuck are we doing? <laughs> Aaron Bummer warming in the bullpen. Dude. <laughs> bummer. Man. I got to get you another beer. Bummer is just bummer, 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 bummer. One of one of my <laughs> least favorite White Sox moves, but... Oh, Aaron Bummer. What do you think about that move, Schwabi? Letting Sebi hit. Dude, I... <laughs> That's bad, right? I how bad uh, is it? How bad I is would, that? If, I if would Tony prefer, did, let me let me rephrase that. I'd lose my mind. If Tony did that, how would you react? Yeah, I'd be I'd be I'd be losing my mind. My mind. We had three catchers. We had three catchers in that's, the lineup, none of which are great hitters. <laughs> smart. That's like a the catcher position in the White Sox is such a hole. Like the fact that we are ecstatic about. Uh, Crandall <laughs> banned 250 with a 321 on base and a 384 slugging. Like, holy shit. <laughs> a, he is significantly better than last year and still bad. Yeah. Um, you know, under 10 homers, uh, the there's whole no thing. Power. Right? Like, there's no power. 698 OPA. There's he, just nothing there. I mean, he, yeah, the power's gone. 384 slugging. And he's 384 just the, slugging. the slowest player in the league. Actually, the slowest player in the league, I believe, when you actually looked at this. If it's not him, it's Vaughn, but it's one of those two. Um, but, like, the fact that we're using Grandal as a DH is... We've been using him as a DH so much recently is, like, a whole other issue. But, like, the catcher position is such a hole for the White Sox as an organization. I I would... Bring me back Reese. Bring me back anybody. Anybody but Sebi. I just... You know, would Se- you... Sebi's great. He's he's got that bulldog mentality. Sebi can't fucking play baseball. I know, he I know. Cannot, I was actually he cannot hit. My dad picked me up at the airport an hour ago, and on the ride home, he was just like, "I'm done with Sebi." And I, you know, Sebi's my guy because Sebi actually like you could tell he cares and he wants to win. Like, give me Sebi's attitude with. Maybe Tim Anderson's talent or Sebi's Sebi, attitude with you know another player on the White Sebi Sox. Sebi is fine if you have a if you have JT Real Muto, yeah, who's right. playing 145 games exactly. Right, you can't have Sebi be the designated catcher yeah. for two starters. No, not possible. right. Like 
You can't have him be the the backup catcher when you have Yaz, who has the injury history that he does of late, right? If Sebi's your backup and he is a guy who's playing once, once a week, once every two weeks, kind of two two games and three games and you know two games in two weeks, two games in three weeks, fine. Sebi can't be a guy who gets as many at bats as he does. So right? Sebi's Sebi's played fifty eight games, which is over half. Which is bad. That's a, that's a problem to your point. 140 at-bats. Six homers. I think two of those have been multi-homer games. Probably. 164, 212, 314. OPS of 526. I mean, he has the 10th most played appearances on the White Sox this year. <sighs> he's ahead of Yohan. He might be this year's Leary. I mean, he well... Who's this year's Leary? No, no, I don't think you can call Tim. him Leary because, like... You kind of have to play him, right? Leary just would, like, was a leech. He would find a way in the lineup every day. <laughs> Sebi's in the lineup because you have a catcher who's borderline broken. Um, you know, you have a 34-year-old catcher who just doesn't have the legs to, to be out there every day. But, like, but like again, that's the reason you... Ha- like. Three years ago, you wanted to go cheap on a catcher. Two years, you know, Yaz's first year, if you want to go cheap on a catcher. Okay, fine. He's your new guy. You paid him big money. You're expecting him to play a lot. We kind of know where he is in his career now. He's 34 years old. He's played a lot. Of, you know, he's played yeah. a lot of games. He's put a lot of mileage on his knees. Um, he's had lower, you know, he's had leg injuries. You have to go out there and find a catcher who you can feel comfortable playing, not a 29 year old who has really shown that he's not able to hit major league pitching. That raises a problem for the future of the White Sox, which Huge. I think we should talk about. Huge. I will say about Yaz, I don't, uh, I would, it, three years ago, we signed what, like the four-year, $72 million deal, something like that. I believe so. I would do that again in a heartbeat because I think I think he actually earned the 72. I know year three was nightmarish, but I think he was really hurt. Year four, I, I, Year four, you knew. Well, like, be, you knew year four was gonna be bad. Right yeah, now. Was, and like was, what he's doing had, right had now, the, I'm like the possibility of being bad. Yeah, yeah, like right now, I'm happy. Like if you told me in year one this was his production year four, I'm like fine, I'll take it any day of the week. Year three is the one that kills you, right? Yeah. But t- 2021, he was like our best hitter, and mm-hmm. that's like your 2020. He was good. I know he like barely hit for average, but he was he had a lot of power. You know, he might be a juice ball wonder too, like half the team, but. I would do that deal again because yeah. catchers are tough so, to come by. So the only reason in a vacuum I say, yes, you do the deal again. Yeah. The only reason I you may be able to argue or you may be able to convince me to say no is because theoretically, if they don't do that deal, now again. They have the money. You potentially have the money to you take away another deal and now you have – yeah, a, a twenty-five million dollar player, thirty million dollar player. Sure. With it, with that being said, we like all a know Bryce the Sox. Harper. Yeah, my God. Like if that's the if that's the, the that had to be the trade off, right? Yeah. If if you're not doing in a vacuum, yeah. I like the signing. If you if you're able to take a step back and the Sox go out of the Sox norm, and rather than try to take sixty million dollars and spend it on eight players, you take sixty million dollars, spend it on two players, right? And then you fill the rest with. Uh, you know, minor leaguers on minimum deals. The Texas Rangers model of this year. So, 
Yes. Which, that's what, that's what bothers me too, because Han's spending that money. He's just spending it the wrong way. Like you could have got Bryce Harper for, you could take Yasmani and uh, Joe Kelly. I, I just bought, right. there, I just bought him three years of, of Bryce Harper. Right. There are lots you, of ways to make those things work. And you're, that's you're where... four of Bryce Harper's Yoan Mankata next year. You don't have to extend him in that deal. Right. And and that's the you know, the one thing where I just I don't understand I don't understand the decision making, I don't understand the marching orders. It's one of those where they seem I think I think part of it is like, you know, you say you're gonna spend the money, right? We're gonna spend the money, we're gonna spend the money, we're gonna spend the money. And you get to a place where you're close to contending, and Jerry says your payroll is X. And you have so many spots filled, and you don't have any great, there aren't great talent that you can go out there and yeah. get for that money. Yeah. So you try to spread it around and get a lot of like B players. You know, so like that's the one place where I think you can potentially give Rick that break. Where it was, hey, you're not, you can't give Bryce this deal, but now we're at 170 or 180 with our payroll. I'll give you another 30 to get you to 210. You know, but please understand that like, that's all you're getting. Yeah. But now, and now you're in a place where like, well, shit, I need to spend to get us there. Right. But the best player on the market is a shortstop. Well, I, I'm not going to spend it on Bogarts because I got Timmy here. Yeah. Right. So now I've got to spend it on, you know, this and this and this, and it's like I can't go. I can't. I've. I've close my roster to go after the biggest fish I'm going against I'm going after multiple many players as opposed to the big prize yeah. the big prize isn't there so like that's that's the you know again I, I know I defend Rick more than I probably should <laughs> and, I, and I'm not in this case but I do think that is a legitimate that's that's the issue right yeah you know Jerry yes has given him the money but the way he gives him the money and when he gives him the money complicates things right yeah. Where if you're willing to do that the first time, you're willing to let us go after that big prize and then still know that, hey, we're going to pay Bryce and I'm not going to tell you the payroll's going to double, but yeah. I will. you'll have enough money to make these moves around the edges to, to finish the roster. Yeah. But you don't know that because it's Jerry and so then you're trying to get more guys and trying to make your dollar stretch for more. I, I would prefer the approach where... You, you know, obviously we're talking about we'd want the big fish, right? I, I would prefer that approach of spending $30 million on the big fish and then waiting until the trade deadline. Because at the trade deadline, you could pick up some guys that are outperforming what they should be doing, right? Like, sure. you look at eight, like, you could pick up some guys for pretty cheap that are on expiring contracts, and you don't have to give up a lot for them. And then that way, it's like, because what he's doing now is he's kind of doing that same thing in the offseason, but he's like giving them five to ten million dollars and they just end up sucking from the get go. You know, right. at least like you kind of have like if you're taking the other approach, then you try to fill it in best you can, which might be challenging. But, you know, Bryce Harper overcomes a lot of weaknesses in a lineup, especially if, if what you we have need. Bryce Harper in this lineup. If you, have, if you have Bryce Harper in the White Sox lineup for the last three years, it's a. Changes everything. It's a different animal. And then you try to make some moves at the trade deadline. To remember the year the Braves won it, they tr they made like all these moves. At they the made deadline. a bunch, and they weren't like crazy. They were like kind no. of guys that were outperforming and all on like 
Soler. Rosario, Jack Peterson, Soler. Didn't they trade for all those guys? And Acuna was hurt. Yeah. I, I mean, that... There, I, there are just differences between well-run organizations. And that, and when I say well-run organizations, I'm talking about from the ownership yeah. to the president, to the GM, to the manager, to the, you know, to the clubhouse attendants. Um, and then there's the White Sox. I envy the Braves. I'm, Dude, I'm, I envy I'm, half of Major League Baseball in comparison <laughs> to what we have. I'm so envious of the Baltimore Orioles. Have you looked at their farm system? It's still good. Dude. They still have like three. They, they just passed the, the Rays. Yeah. They're in first place in the East. Not only do they have like seven top 100 prospects, the numbers for those guys are insane. Insane, dude. I would take any of them. I, the first team I'm talking to. Dylan Cease for Jackson Holiday. I'm calling the Orioles, and I'm not hanging up until he makes the deal. And when I, he hangs I, up on me, I'm calling him back and being like, all right, so you didn't like that one. How about this? And I'm just, I'm going to keep him on the phone until until we find a, a deal. And I'm not even saying a Jackson Holiday deal. Yeah. You know, I'll take the, the, the outfielders they got. It would, it, if, if I'm the Baltimore Orioles GM, Dylan Seeds looks very, very intriguing to me right now. They're for, they just passed the race, and the race had the best start in Rays were in like the best, best what this year. fifteen years of MLB baseball. Yeah, they, they were they were very good, and it wasn't like the best start over the first week of the season. It was multiple weeks. All right, um, dude, Jackson Holiday, listen to this, okay? I just pulled up his his baseball reference. He's 19. Okay, he's turning in 100 days, a little more than that. He turns 20. He just got promoted to double A. He has 14 games in low A, 57 games in high A, 5 games in double A, 76 total in the minors this year, okay? Mm-hmm. He's got seven homers, so I think he's 19, right? That's... I, I, very often, these guys grow into their power. Oh, That's a sure. fine number. 51 ribbies. So the production there from a runs bad in standpoint. 20 stolen bases. This is where it gets good. 66 walks, 70 strikeouts. Three, must, must be amazing to see a young guy with plate discipline. 339. He's betting 339. Okay, across all levels. 468 OBP. 468. At 19, 19 years old. He's OPS. Kind of good at baseball. Too. OPS 993. This guy at 19, this guy, I, I was trying to think of a comp. I, I couldn't even think of a comp in Major League Baseball right now with shorts. I think he's like Bo Bichette, but walks. He's basic. My comp for him is Bo Bichette, but he takes walks. Well, so you have that, right? Which is impressive. And then you look at their major league roster, right? They got Grayson Rodriguez, who was a top prospect. He's up, back up. You got Adley Rushman, who was like the dude. He's 25 years old, starting catcher. You have Gunnar Henderson, who was one of the top prospects in baseball. He's up, 22 is years old. Does he play short for them, or is it Mateo still? Mateo's he's playing more third. Um, Mateo's struggled a little. Of course, Mateo was like, you know, Mateo was, on pace for the Silver Slugger when he played us. Against us. Um, you know, they just brought up 
Jordan Westerberg. Yeah, stud. Um, Do you see his minors number? We should go number, through his, his minor numbers, numbers in the minors. And they just call up Colton Cowser, who's 23 and was a top, is a top prospect, right? I mean, they they are just they are very very good and they're very young. Gunnar Henderson is playing a good bit of shortstop. Give me a second. I'll give you what he's what his position stuff is. I think he. Um, he would. He wasn't even a first round. He. I mean, he might have been like a late first. He's round. got more games as short. I was wrong. He's fifty nine. I'm sorry. He's got fi- no. I was thirty nine. He's got fifty nine games at third base. Thirty games as short. Okay, so he's so, probably played more short with Mateo struggling. Yeah, but here, here, you know, again, here's the crazy thing, right? The Orioles bring up a top prospect. Who? What are you playing in minors? Played shortstop. Oh, yeah. and when you're a shortstop. It's crazy how you also can play third base. Where else can and you play? And if you really want to, you probably can play second. Oh, he played three games a second last year. He probably would play more second, but they got other guys who, like... And you know who plays left just, field better than a first baseman? A left fielder? A shortstop. A shortstop plays <laughs> left field. Yeah. yeah. All right. My apologies. I was going, no, I, I, I I was going complete White that. Sox logic. But yes, a shortstop also plays that better than a first baseman. Um it's just it's there are some ways you can build a baseball team and there's the ways the White Sox did. And it's uh it continues to be to be painful. I think I texted I forgot who I texted. It was probably you, Schwab. If the White Sox take a first baseman in the first round, don't talk to me for three days. I the fact that they didn't was some sort of a miracle. But. So you made a good point to talk about the draft a little bit because we didn't but I think the strategy's changed a little bit with the new uh, lead scout because I've I've liked what they've been doing a little bit, and that's basically drafting. Because uh, I'm done. You you don't want it, you can't draft first baseman. You just can't. Because I I think we saw with the the top two guys that come to mind for me, and I'm I'm not ending this podcast with revisiting Andrew Vaughn for you, but he's number one. I can't. And then number two, Spencer Torkelson. And he's finally hitting, but it took a long time. I just, I'd rather have a a guy who could field, you know, a shortstop. Give me a shortstop. Give me a center fielder. Give me a guy that has proven he could field at the college level. And then is a good hitter. I mean, like, Madrigal was that guy who hit the college level and field, showed he could field. Yeah, but the, okay, he's the exception okay. because the All guy, right. I just want to point the that guy, one out. literally he has no power, no power, and he has no arm. But you okay? know who has, you know, he has more home runs than. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> chief shot maybe, um, but no, I. How does I, Tim not have a home run? It's 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 amazing, it's absolutely amazing, um, you know, I. I don't, I, dude. I I can't. I just can't with him. Um, I can't. I can't. I can't. I can't. I, I'm I'm want Tim out of town. I'm sorry. Uh, as soon as possible. Are we Are we off the draft already? No, we're talking about the draft. What do you think of our guy Jacob Gonzalez? I mean, again, here's the thing with with the baseball draft. I think anyone who tells you like they have it figured out is probably full of shit. Yeah. Um, because half these kids are in high school. Half these kids are playing college games that none of, none of us have seen on TV, right? None yep. of us have seen them in person. Um, and, like I was having this talk with a buddy like a couple weeks ago, they're playing a different game when they walk up to the plate with a piece of aluminum. Yeah. It's a different game. 
Yeah. Like your best looks of those guys are what they're doing in the summer. And that, those summer games are really the wood bat summer stuff is really collegiate based, um, more so than high school based. With that saying, with that being said, I think they did have a solid draft by all accounts. Yep. Um, the first round, the first round kid, you know, has he his running like they have him as like a forty on the run scale, which is wild for a shortstop. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, some good comps, some good. Who was who was his comp? I forget who it was, but it was like a solid. It was, uh, yeah, okay, I got to look back. Um, you know, so I mean, like you know, there are some good things, some good thoughts there. Um, you know, they took a a big pitcher in the second round who is Tommy John guy, but you know, seems like he could be one of those guys they like take kind of reclamation projects, guys who were seen as potential first rounders. Um, I like the the high school kid. They took him in the seventh round and they. Signed they just him. signed him from yep from Downers. You know, he's a Downers kid, and he I think he, I believe he reclassified. He should have been a junior, but he is a house. Did you see his BP sesh? Yes, and it's just they were comparing him to Judge. Right. Well, he's six seven, like George Walcow. We played. Is that how you pronounce his last name? I think so. We played him in basketball. I'm disappointed I didn't pay more attention to that game. Oh really? Yeah. He's a he looks like a freak, and he's, he's gonna, big, so he's, he's seventeen, boy. so he's gonna get some time. Yeah, I mean, he he's spend not, some time in a rookie ball. He's not a ninety-one year see anytime soon, but he's a big dude. I mean, he could be the guy that if he goes to college, he might be a top five pick. He's a he's a big he's a big pick for them. He was a guy who I think they a lot of teams projected as a hard guy to sign. Yeah, and the Sox, you know, to their credit, the hometown got some guys under under uh, slot. Yep, and then a lot of them would go big on this kid, and they, which I think he like the hometown thing helped in that. Oh, for sure. I think there was a relationship there, and I think they knew, they knew when they could get him. Yeah, and they knew what it would take to get him. Yeah, right. Like there was that wasn't a, you know, cross your fingers and hope. That's a, that was a a move they made with some intentions there. Yeah, Mike Shirley was the name I was looking for. That's your guy. Hired for uh, Halstetter, took his spot in at the end of nineteen, which means he's done the twenty draft. Which I think was Crochet, right? Because Crochet came up that year. Twenty one was Montgomery. Twenty two Schultz. Twenty three Connor Gonzalez. Dude, Schultz looks the sh- the stuff that was coming up on. Uh, I don't. I don't know if it was pitching ninja or what this week on Twitter. It's it's filthy. I think Schultz is going to be like a top thirty prospect next year. I think there's a real – I mean, again, I think with pitchers, so much of it is what you're able to get innings-wise just because that allows you to project it out better to see how close they are to the majors and things of that nature. But, yeah, he's a guy who has a chance to be a real a real big uh, a big name and a, a big prospect for them. So based on that track record, I'm pretty optimistic about this draft. J- Jacob Gonzalez, I mean, I, I don't like that the boss is Rick – Certainly, Rosemary, our guy. But Shirley, I, I feel pretty good about Shirley. Colson's been a beast. I'm ready for Colson to be in double A, but I think our guy Chris Getz is talking to Northwestern to try to, you know, clean up what's hey, going man. on in Evanston. You know who that you know who they got as the new head coach or instrument head coach? Oh, yeah. it's Brian Anderson. It's Brian Anderson. White Sox legend Brian Anderson. Can he, can he hire Getz as the bench he's coach? Gonna, he's gonna take Getz. Getz and Anderson are gonna 
are going to write the ship. We're going to clean the culture and, uh, you know. So Schwabi. Going back to real quick, because I, I had this written down and I wanted to make a point on it. I, I think that that was a good summary on the draft. Well done. I, I feel good about it. We'll see what happens. Um, but real quick, the three catchers in the lineup. Okay. They all suck. Three catch all had under 700 OPS. Do you think that's the first time in major league history that three catchers have batted in the same inning? I guess, A, that's my first question. And second, if that's not true, do you think it's the first time in major league history that three catchers with an OPS under 700 hit in the same uh, The inning? second part, yes. Because there's, A, like, the only time a team, or okay, in all likelihood, the only time a team had three catchers up, it was like one was Mike Piazza, you know, a guy who was a an absolute threat with the bat, not a great defensive catcher, and they were, you know, in a interleague series, so they brought up a guy so Piazza could DH or something along those lines. So yes, definitely the first time they've had three catchers who are so poor with the bat, bat. Um, but I would say there's a very real chance it's the first time that you've had three catchers bad in an inning because a, so few teams ever have three catchers up, um, let alone for an extended period of time, and and b, you know, like we're saying, they're just typically catcher is one of your weakest offensive positions. Yep, yep. So the fact that you would start to pinch hit a third, like it's just it's, I mean, Elvis is bad, but I. Bet Elvis over that, that Sebi so, and over Carlos Perez. That's who I would have. So if I'm managing that inning, I would have brought in Elvis for sure. Like that would have been my first guy, no hesitation. And for whatever reason, if you don't feel good about Elvis coming in because of where someone's got to play, because someone's got to play right field, I would because you got to put Sheets in right. But as a lefty, but I'd rather have Sheets lefty on lefty than so, Sebi. So, Blake, again, this this goes back to roster construction. Yeah. Right? You want to bring up Oscar, which I'm, I I agree. We are at a point in our season where we are not good. Like, let's just be very open with this. We're not a good team. So you need to figure out what you have in Oscar. And, you, and more so than anything, not even so much figure out, you need Oscar to get at bats so that he is potentially comfortable next year as your everyday right fielder. Yep. But bringing in Oscar essentially makes Gavin redundant. Yep. At 100%. You know, so like, like this this is this goes back to the issues we had all, all along. Especially and when this, Gavin's and, not hitting. And the, and this was my argument when we broke camp. Yeah. Why Berger should have been on the team yeah. over Gavin. Yep. Because you know, you want to take out Oscar and against these top top against these tough lefties. But you're going to replace him with Gavin, who you also don't let hit against lefties. <laughs> right. And then Eloy is unavailable. <laughs> so what a, what a disaster. Like That's how you end up with Romy getting all these starts in the outfield the first week of the season. Is Romy actually hurt, or is this a fake? Uh, I asked uh, yes. <laughs> Does it matter? I <laughs> You know, I mean, it's just, it's like, it's just the, but it, again, it's like, so man. many of these problems 
go back to the root. And it's the way the team was constructed, the way everything was set up. You know, you put it in a position where it had very little chance to succeed ever. What do you think about... I was harping on Pedro. I think... I said earlier this year on the podcast that is I didn't complain about his lineups until for the 42nd consecutive day, he's bat Tim second when Tim has been the worst hitter basically in Major League Baseball. What, what do you think about Pedro keeping Tim in the two-hole? Or is that a rhetorical question? So Pedro has finally been rewarded. Tim is on a hot streak <laughs> since the All-Star break. A couple singles. Um but no, I mean, I, th- I think that's I think it's very true, and it's one of those we've had these talks, right? There's so many players on the Sox are underperforming. It's hard to be like, oh, this is if you started this lineup, you would, you know, average three more runs per game or yeah. whatever, because everyone's bad. Yeah. Um, with that being said, I think at some point in time, change for the sake of change, change for the sake of waking someone up. Has to be an option. Yeah. Especially in a Major League Baseball season where it's 162 games. You know, if you're playing a football season and 17 games, I'm not going to bench my starting quarterback because he had two bad games right. because that doesn't make sense. But, like, I'm not saying, I'm not even saying bench him. Yeah. But move him down. And you sh- could, there's enough games to move him back up. Shake up the lineup, give him a few games where he's going up there and he's a little less of a priority in the, in the scouting report. He's a little less, little less of a priority of, in the pitcher's mind. The pitcher knows he's at the eight hitter. He's just trying to throw strikes yep. to get out of the inning. And now Timmy's able to lace a couple of the right field. He's feeling a little better. You move Timmy back up, and maybe you can keep that positive momentum going. So you know, I, I, you know, we've had these talks, and like we had this talk, I think last time we were on with Tui, where it's like, for the Sox to be any good, Timmy has to be. Timmy has to be important. Timmy has to be good, but. I also think it's you're not helping yourself continuing to run him out there, continuing to put him in the two-hole, and expecting that to be how he breaks out of it. Put him in a spot with less pressure. Put him in a spot where the fans are, aren't going to be angry, aren't going to be booing him as much. Like Let him get some positive feelings and hope that allows him to kind of you know, get on that hot streak where he can be the important member of the team that he's always been. Do you think there's any, because my dad asked me this, or I, he, I shouldn't say he didn't ask me this, this is his opinion that he shared with me earlier today. Do you think there's any element that Pedro's afraid of Tim's reaction of moving him down? Do you think the, the White Sox are afraid of Tim? I don't think the White Sox are. I could see Pedro having that feeling, and I think... For, to really have that idea or to have to know more on that, I think you'd have to understand what Tim's role in the clubhouse is currently. Yeah. Right? I think for a long time, Tim was, you know, the leader of that team. Tim was the, the emotional fulcrum of the, of the team. I don't know if that's still the case. Yeah. And I don't know if that's still the case because there has been some change. A lot of those guys that Tim got, you know, played so many games with are on the DL Mm-hmm. Jose's gone. Yep. Um, you know, Tim's been struggling. You get a couple new guys in there. 
You know, he didn't play with Elvis when Elvis got in last year. Yeah. Ben Attendee's a new voice to the team. Berger's a guy who he has, hasn't spent a lot of time with. You know, like, so I think you'd have to know if he is a respected clubhouse leader still, which I think is which I think is possible. I'm not saying it's not. I think it is still possible. Then you could have Pedro, who's first year as a manager, not wanting to... Not wanting to rock the boats, not wanting to you know shake things up to a point where you get the other players of the team being like, well, he doesn't believe in us. He's trying to, he's trying to you know belittle our our leader, and then you run the risk of losing the clubhouse. With that being said, at some point in time, if you, you have to understand, like, there are a lot of managers who, if you're if you go if it goes this bad, yeah, and you get let go after one year, two years, he. Your chances of getting another job are done. Are low, dude. Grafal might be done, right? Because if Rick's gone, Grafal's gone, right? So that's one of those where, like, I get it. I get the, you know, the the forty five fifty game sample size, but at some point in time, we're like, well, shit. I need to make sure that I am coaching next year. Or if this doesn't work and Rick's gone, somebody else is like, this guy gets it. You got to be coaching for your future at some point in time. And that's where, you know, I say maybe he is. But, I like, if he is, it is such a misguided attempt for him for just his future. Yeah. I think. Here's another question that we talked about. 2024 White Sox. Second base, who do you play at second base? Who do you start day one? I got my answer. Might be a little bit of a trick question. You could go so many ways with this. Um, and second is such a a disaster. Um, in-house. Well, yeah, I mean, clearly it's in-house. Um, I mean, is assuming Rick's the GM still? You're yeah, if the, Rick's the GM, if you're the, if you're the GM, if Rick's the GM, if you're the no, Larry's the, the no. <laughs> Larry's the clubhouse leader. Um, no, I I don't want who you think Rick. I want who you would do, and I guess you could say who you think Rick would do. Uh, um, I'd, I'd probably say, you know, I, I, I think I, I think I think there's got to be some hope that Colson progresses quickly this year, and he makes himself an option for day one. I think I think that's I think it's probably not realistic. Yeah. But I think that's probably, you know, uh the shot in the dark prayer. Yep. Um I think there's also there's also gonna be some sentiment to if Remillard finishes the year hot, finishes the year kinda of doing what he's doing, then maybe Remillard's that option. Um I don't know if, again, I think you know, our argument all along, our argument against Lurie was we have 15 Lurries yeah. in our organization, right? If I'm the Sox, I'm sending Remillard down or I'm I'm training so many other guys, Remillard becomes a utility piece. Yeah. And I'm bringing Lenin back up. Okay. And if Lenin can show me anything, Lenin goes in as the clubhouse leader for the job next year. I, I think Lenin has to be at the top of the conversation. Because if you look at production, I, I think Remillard, what he's done, like we're seeing his 
his peak production. Like, Gremlard's not going to be any better. Because he has a history, like... He's been he, a solid he can't all of a sudden, player, yeah. but he's, there's a reason he is just going for the majors at 29. Exactly. And and you can't all of a sudden get promoted to the majors and be like, oh, I figured it out, and I'm going to be way better than what I was in the minors for eight years. Right. Unless you're Whit Merrifield, and that happens, like, once. It happens so infrequent. I mean, it's not something you can yeah. bang on. But, like, Lenin's been 285, 333 on base, 544 slugging. He slugs. Bombs, What's his OPS? So OPS is eight seventy seven. Yeah, he's so and and Lenin has a little bit of a history of not doing well first time he's promoted to the next level. Right. So I I would be fine giving him a chance, another chance. I think actually what I would do is once we start trading guys, is I would just let Lenin play the last sixty games. You have to like that. That has to be the when the deadline comes, right? Unless the Sox go on some. Eight and two run this last weekly in the deadline, and Rick is convinced they're going to win a World Series and either stay, stands pat or makes the old buys. Like, if you're a seller, you have to bring up Lenin or Jose Rodriguez yeah. or whoever. You have to bring up one of those young guys, and it's no longer time for Elvis to get at bats. It's no longer time for Zach Remillard to yeah. be a starter. Remillard, um, I'm fine with him, utility. He's been awesome. No, he, he has for sure. But this is not a slate on this is not a slate on on Remillard. I think Remillard's proved that he can be a guy. Yeah, you know, who's he could be a Danny Mendick. Right. I think that's a very. I think it's a very good comp. I think Danny Mendick's a very good comp for uh, for Zach Remillard. But I think Lindy Sosa has the Lindy Sosa is the guy I'm giving a shot to. Is that who you were leaning towards, or you have another idea? I got another idea. All right. Let's if we want to win, oh boy, I think it's got to be Mankata. I thought you might go there. I considered saying that, but I it's got I it's to me it's another it's like are we going to hurt the guy's feelings? This is we're paying him 24 mil. Are we worried so about hurting the guy's feelings? I don't know if that's necessarily going to hurt his feelings. Um Burger can't play second. Or would you rather have Mankata at third and Burger at second? I I think Burger has earned a spot. Like Burger's our second best hitter. Right, I know he doesn't walk, which is a problem for me. But he slugs. There are a like. Let's first big Jake Burger fan. Um, love everything about him. Love his comeback story. But end of the day, dude's been two twenty three, two seventy nine, five thirty one. Like, let's not make him out to be. Well, what's his? Yeah, Babe but it's, that slug is top five in the AL. The slug is great, but like, you know, you are the guy who preaches walks. I know, he doesn't problem. walk. He strikes out a lot. Yeah. He is Do you think, he's not even like three true outcomes. He's like two true outcomes. Yeah. Bomb or a K. Do you think he can get to a three thirty OBP? That'd be a lot of I mean again, I think it's he's he's a hard guy for me to judge because you always are factoring in the fact that the guy missed three years of baseball. Yeah. I, so the I, hope I, is I, that I, as he plays more, like, you know, he it just it slowly comes back, but it's still uh, there's still a lot of questions. So would you have Burger as DH? You gotta have Aloy. there is I think the so, the reality is you need to turn over half of the lineup. 
Yeah. So I guess like say, because realistically that has to happen, right? Unless we get a new GM, unless Theo comes in, which I would love. Would would you rather have a combination? Would you rather have Burger and Mankata or Mankata and Lenin with Burger? You know, spot starts at DH, spot starts at third base, and... Why, why can't Mankata like start half the games at second? Also, well, I, I think that's that's always been like I think this has always been like an argue a complaint with the Sox, right? Yeah, well, is you have so many teams who are willing to um, embrace positional flexibility. Yeah, right. Well, we bats, are, but we only play first baseman and right, we, we we love <laughs> we love taking guys who are bad defenders and putting them in positions that are more defensive taxing. Um, <laughs> But like you've got Mookie Betts, who's one yeah, of the five best players great, in baseball. Great example. Mookie Betts is a Gold Glove right fielder. Mookie Betts plays second base. He plays shortstop. He plays right field. And no one's worried about Mookie Betts getting thrown off his game or yeah. Mookie Betts being angry or whatever. So yes, you know why can't like be completely fair? Like when Yoan started as second baseman, he was not a great second baseman. He had a yeah. lot of errors. With that being said, I think he also made a lot of flashy plays, and because yeah. he had the range he did, he got some balls that you know he was able to get to, but not make plays on. Um, while he's been a excellent third baseman, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think Yohan's a guy who, at least having that talk or you know having him play second and third at times is uh, would help the, would help the team greatly. He he's a much better third baseman than second baseman, but it's just why I, he hasn't played a game at second. Like why, Forever. especially, yeah, and from that first year, I, I don't know. It's weird. Mookie Betts playing shortstop blows my mind. Mm-hmm. I, but it, but it's one of those things where when you have, when you look at how when you're trying to figure out how to make the Sox a better franchise, right? I'm gonna look at the best franchises in baseball, and what do the best franchises in baseball do? They embrace positional flexibility. Yeah. Because it allows you to maximize your lineup every day. Yep. The Sox having, you know, multiple left-handed first basemen who can only play first base in the outfield. You know, having, you know, Grandal can play catcher first base. Vaughn can play first base. They try to play him in outfield. He was horrible. Elvis can play second and short. Timmy can play second and short. Berger can play third and first, and he isn't very good at either. Benintendi is an outfielder. Luis is an outfielder. Gavin can play right field, and he can play first base. Eloy can play the corners of the outfield. Sebi can just catch. <laughs> Yohan, in theory, can play second, but they have not played him in second in years. Colas is strictly an outfielder, right? And then you, we can start talking about Romy and Remillard and these guys who can play multiple positions. And that's great, but that's a very old way of thinking about baseball, yeah. right? right? It was the – you had 25 guys – 12 to 13 of them were hitters. Hitter number 13, hitter number 12 need to be guys who can play everything. Yep. But you look at the best teams in Major League Baseball, you know, mm-hmm. the Rays. Uh, was it Taylor Wells? Yeah. Right? He's not their best player, but he's not their 13th guy. He gets a good minute starts. He can kind of play all over. Yeah. Um, Betts clearly plays all over. Yep. There are more guys playing more positions now than ever before. And it's something that you're seeing at the best levels, the best teams, you know, even the Padres, right? Manny Machado plays third. He plays short when they need him. Yeah. 
right? They're they're not there's nothing off the table because they're trying to find ways to get their best players in the lineup every day. Yep. Jazz Chisholm Hole went for the second baseman. They get a second baseman, they move him to the outfield. Tatis was a shortstop. They signed Bogarts and move him to the outfield. Right? There are guys you get guys who are athletic, who have a history up the middle. They are more versatile, as you said earlier, and then you're <laughs> able to do those things to maximize your lineup based on pitcher handness, based on injury, based on performance. Tatis is a freaking right field, too. Right. I mean, it's just great, crazy concept that you take yeah. a guy who's athletic, whose biggest problem at shortstop was like making pinpoint throws because he just wants to yeah. show off the cannon and put him in right field and let him show off the cannon, and he, it works well. Yeah. All right, Chihuahua, before we end this thing, Give me a prediction for the deadline. Who's going? Who's staying? And what do you think we get for the guys that are going? Not necessarily players specifically. If you have players in mind, fine. But like level of prospect, like top whatever. So, so I think the I think one of the problems is I think if you look at recent years deadline, recent deadlines, right? Yeah. It's harder to get top one hundred prospects. Yep. Right. They they kind of gone away from those short term buys. I think a guy like Dylan has the ability to get you that guy because he has years of control left. Do you think we get Jackson Holiday for Dylan? I don't think you can get Jackson Holiday for Dylan. No, straight up. No, but I think you can possibly walk away with like two or three guys, and I think ultimately, now you have to hit on those guys. Yeah, but I think ultimately that may be even better for you because I could see them trying to do like a soft rebuild, trying to get guys who are like AAA players and yeah. You know, more than looking at a 19-year-old who they won't bring up for four years. Dude, I need Jackson Howard. I know. I, I, know I think do. this guy is going to be like Alex Rodriguez uh, on steroids. I, I don't think you're off. Um, I think that's a very real, very real possibility, but not obviously not actually on steroids. What about Tim? What about <laughs> what about Tim and Cease for Holiday? I don't know if. You have to see what teams actually think of Tim. You don't think Baltimore would do that? Tim and Dylan for Holiday? The reason I would say no is because the Orioles were a team last year that was like on the cusp of, of yeah. making the playoffs. And they're like, we're not trading anybody. We believe in our core. Yeah. We're gonna stay the, you know, stay the stay the line. They need a pitcher though. They do. Bad. And I'm not but like I think you can do Cease is the best on the market Cease, with you. And you get Kouser and you get somebody else. But if I'm Rick, I'm saying no. You're not getting season unless Holiday's in there. In so the if I'm if like if I'm the Sox, I'm extending Geo and I'm trading Cease. But Interesting. They're clearly not doing that. So I mean, like, and that's the other thing, right? If they think they have any chance of contending next year with a couple moves around the fringes, right? A couple moves here and there, they can't trade Cease. Because they have no pitchers for next year. So it comes down to, like, are the Sox trying to Bull. blow this yeah. thing up? Bull rebuild or, or are they rebuild. trying to do this soft rebuild quick turn? And that's where, knowing the Sox, I don't think they're trying to do a full rebuild. Because, um, like, again, when you do a full rebuild, like, you get one of those <laughs> and you get fired. <laughs> Unless you're the White Sox. Unless you're the White Sox. But like, you know, like I know I also like I know, you know, we love Rosemary and all, but like I also think he's smart enough to know that like 
he tries to blow this up again and it doesn't work, like he's never working again. Um, he may never be working again, regardless. But oh, he's done, dude. Like he'll, he'll like, be coaching. He'll be the third base coach at Nutrier High School next year. Yeah. You know, so I mean, I think, I think there's a very real chance. I think they. I think Tim goes. Oh, I like I hate saying that because I think there's a chance he doesn't. But I I hope Tim goes. Yeah, for, what are we getting for Tim? Tim's a. An add-on to a to a bigger deal, yeah. Tim, I think I think Tim goes with Luke with Lucas or with Dylan. Like I I do agree with that sentiment from you. Like I think, yeah, where it's like you kind of sweeten it to get the guy that you want. Yeah, I think which is crazy that, that Tim, that's what Tim's become. he could have gotten. So if Philly Lockney was saying it, they want they should have traded him in the off season. They could have got a haul if they as soon yeah, as um, sure. Gavin Lux went down. For the Dodgers. Yeah. If we traded Tim to the Dodgers, we could have got, there's a couple nice catchers in that. I think that's something you're going to, I think the Sox have to, if they're trading the big pieces, if they're trading Tim, Eloy, Dylan, Lucas, any of those names, I would be shocked if at least one, if they make at least two deals involving those four players, I would be shocked if at least one of those deals doesn't bring back a Fairly highly regarded catcher. Yeah. Um, I think there seems like there's been a decent amount of smoke around Eloy. So I think Eloy's a guy who, if they can get something decent for, I think you're. I think it's probably time to to cut Eloy loose, um, which hurts me. But like, I think that's probably, I think that's probably where you need to go. I'm trading every reliever in my pen. Middleton is gone. Graveman is gone. I mean, if they'll give me like three used baseball, Aaron Bummer's gone. <laughs> um, you hate you hate Aaron. I, I, he just is, he's one of the more frustrating people in the world. Um, you know, and if, if like if someone if someone's infatuated with Gregory Santos, I'll send Gregory Santos back. In. <laughs> I'll send Joe. Kel- I'll like they all are expendable to me. Um, I think I think Lance I think Lance might go. And I, I would be trying like hell to, to deal Clevenger for anything. <laughs> so I would I would basically trade that. Like as I say that, I'm trading like twelve guys. I think. Yeah, I, I lost um, track. I was right. Yeah, this down. I'm like I think I, I think I just trade half the team. So, Lenin has a has a free path to as many at bats as he wants. Okay. I lost you halfway down there, <laughs> the track. There. Yeah, fair, fair. But I, I traded I'm three starters. You. I traded like seven bullpen guys, <laughs> and I traded four bats. I, I, we got a clean house. Here's my. I'm gonna write my um, 2025 starting infield. Oh, 25. Wow, we're going out. And I, you know, I. I don't want to do pitching staff because it'll get too complicated, and we'll have to sign some guys. But here, here's my lineup, and this lineup here is not a lot of money invested. So I think the money goes to the pitching. So third base, I got Colson Montgomery. Of course you do. <laughs> Colson starting at third. Second base, I got Jacob Gonzalez. Okay, you I got think Jacob up quick, and you got him at second base. At second base. I'm interested to see who the shortstop is. His name is Jackson Holiday. I'm telling you, you're just lying to yourself. <laughs> Jackson Holiday. You're lying short. to yourself. Dude, you better 
I, I'm going to tweet this, and then 2025, I'm going to post First base, got to go Andy. How do you feel about Andy, real quick? Dude, I'm done. I'm, I'm, You're done? I'm, I'm out. I'm out. Like, God, he's he a good guy through and through. He was. I, I, I still think he might be a decent major leaguer, but I just... The the inability to play first at a passable level is is astonishing. His, How can he have such a bad negative war? He's he's such. Is a, he that bad? Like what is a, the, is he just no range? He is a bad first baseman. He is a horrendous base runner. And if you're doing those things, you need to be David Ortiz. Yeah, hitting thirty five homers and batting three twenty with a three eighty plus on, on base. Like you can't be, you can't be the you know fifth slowest guy in baseball, who is bad at your position, which is first, yeah, and not be an absolute monster at the plate. And I think you know, like again, going back to like what we said with Tui, where he's like he's a line drive hitter, he's this that. That's great. You need guys like that, but with all these shortcomings, he needs to be moored. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I agree. It's just he's only twenty three, I think. He's, I mean, he's young and and like but again, still, I think we've had like he's twenty five. He's twenty five. Why didn't I think he was twenty? Maybe he came up when he was twenty three. He came up young. Right. And I, I think I've, I think I've, we've had this talk, right? Is I like the COVID year happened at a horrible time for the yeah. White Sox because you had some minor leaguers who needed to have a good year in the minors. For their development and for their trade value. Yeah. You lost that whole year because, like, no one made trades that year. Yep. You had to take a guy like Vaughn and not, he wasn't getting consistent ABs. Yep. And it really, it, I mean, it hurt the Sox more than I think it, you know, again, I have a biased view, obviously, and I know more about the Sox, but like, I think it hurt the Sox a lot more than it hurt some other teams. I think Carbon Carroll was in that draft. Obviously, hindsight's 2020, right? Yeah. Like, that would have been if if you're taking Corbin Carroll where you took Vaughn, that would have been an incredible pick, right? But Imagine that's what Corbin Carroll and Luis in the outfield, dude. I know Corbin Carroll's so sick. I am like so. There's some Could guys you that imagine I'm just, an outfield of Corbin Carroll, <laughs> Luis Robert, and Fernando <laughs> Tatis. It was all. It was all there for us. Schwabi. I, I hate him. I okay, hate let him. me get through my infield. All right, my apologies. We're going to keep dreaming. All right, so I got Vaughn at first. Fine. I feel good about that infield. Uh, how I'm getting Jackson Holiday, you ask. Tim and Cease. I answered <laughs> it earlier. <laughs> okay, at catcher, I'm starting Dalton Rushing. Giolito for Dalton Rushing. Okay. Dodgers. Yeah. Left field, Benatendi. The king in center, Oscar in right. D.H. Aloy. Oh, you got Aloy staying? Interesting. Pitching staff at that point, right? But that's, I mean, you got a lot of money with that, right? Like, who are you spending on? You have Benatendi. Well. Robert. It's it's if Rick's still in charge and Rick's doing his million-dollar deal for... Dude, Which again, I, I think I, I think is I think is still good business if the guys project and play as you as you hope. So who's in my rotation? 
I guess, at that point. Because Cease is gone. Kopech, Crochet. I don't think Crochet is ever going to be a starter. Yeesh. Here's the thing. If the Sox, this is two years out, right? Yeah. If the Sox have Crochet in the starting, in the in the rotation, he is capped that year at 120 innings. It's like Kopech this year. They're like thinking about shutting him down. It's like at, at some point you can't think about shutting the guy down. Well, but with Crochet, they have he has thrown so few innings yeah. since yeah. he's been with the Sox, and you like no one's jumping a, a pitcher by seventy innings. Yeah. So this year Crochet has ten. Is ten he, innings is, pitched. Is he? I he's thought still he was in the rehabs. Well, maybe maybe he's got more in the minors, but like, you know, crochet crochet's big league and minor league numbers for that matter. Uh, in two thousand twenty, he pitched six innings for the White Sox. In twenty one, he pitched fifty four innings with the White Sox. Hurts his arm, misses the rest of the year. In twenty twenty three, he is currently thrown. 18 and a third innings. Yeah, I mean that's it's a problem. Okay, so you can't even you can't even slot him in, which means at at best you got to get four starters, at worst five. Because I mean, I mean, I think, about could, I think you can put Kopech there, and, and I think someone made the comment the other couple of days ago on Twitter where it's like with Kopech, he's a he's a number four yeah. who will at times pitch like a, a two or a three. Yeah. You know, that's you're fair. you're banking on five to six elite, elite starts. Um, but for the most part he's he's a four for you. So I think what you gotta do is you spend big money on a starter on one. You gotta. You right? got you, you gotta, gotta find you gotta find one big name anchor your rotation. You and, gotta find an older vet who's uh you know a fifteen mil guy. And then hope you get lucky. And I think this year you have to try to trade. Like you, you got you got some ammo, right? You got Lynn, you got Graveman, Joe Kelly, all guys that you're going to be able to deal. And you got to hope you strike gold with like a Joe Ryan. Joe Ryan, they got for Nelson Cruz for a half year. Nelson Cruz, one of the bad deals that the Rays made. Yeah. So you, a... I, and then that way that gets you a couple other guys, and then you know. Who knows, right? You got a couple years out, but that—that's what I would do. No, I mean, I—I'm all for trading Cease because I don't think, I think they need to get a, a firm reset and a, a hard move. But if you're trading Cease, you then have to be willing to trade everybody. You got to burn it down, yeah, um, and really try to to reset your clocks, to reset everything, and kind of go from there. Right. I'm for it. I, like again, I'm I'm completely for it. If the Sox, the Sox don't make moves this year, and I'm talking about five plus trades with at least one of them being a high profile, big name deal, like they completely flubbed two deadlines in a row. <laughs> what what if like we go the whole deadline, but this time we just end up trading a shitty left-hander Aaron Bummer <laughs> instead of getting one. Right. that would be that would be a very white oh, man just the Rick Hahn 
Rick Hahn. Rosemary. He's just, it's the, it just, it, it's a, it's a disaster. All right, here's my question for you. Okay. If the Sox don't trade Timmy, do you pick up his option? Yes. I think you got to. I do. I agree. That, I mean, I, I agree with you on that one. So I, I think that's something that I've seen some people talk about. Um, because what, it's 15 mil, 14 and a half or something? Yeah, I was going to say, I, I thought it was 12, but it might be that. Let me confirm here real quick. I, I had, it's a good question, Schwab. I looked into it the other day. There's just no one. Like, because the question would be then it's who's 14. playing short? And the the markets, there's nobody. That's why you actually might be able to get something for Tim because there's nobody on the market. Well, and the other thing is, like, if, if you're not able to deal him and you decide to bring him back, I think you hope that he's a guy who's proud. He's a guy who wants to get at least one more contract. Yeah, and that he's gonna he's gonna perform so that you can hopefully deal with the deadline, um, and then he can go sign with somebody else. But it's it's fourteen for next year. Yeah, because so, I mean the question is like you know uh, take take out of the equation that he's played for the Sox, had good years, bad years, whatever. If you're like a random team and you need a shortstop, would you give Tim a one year deal for fourteen mil? And I think the answer is yes, all day because you could always tra- you know like we've talked about it. There's no such thing as a bad one year deal. No. Even like look at Bell- Bellinger, there's no risk. What's the risk? He and he's sucks. Been good. Yeah, if he sucks, who cares? He's gone. Right. You know, and he's been really good. It's not gonna, it, and it's not like the the only reason because it's never our money that the owner is spending, right? And it's like the only reason you get mad about bad deals is because it hinders other deals that they're gonna make in the future. But one year deals don't do that. So I, I'm for every one year deal, even if it's like a hundred, it's like fifty million. Who cares? I mean, yeah, it might hinder that year, right? So it can't be that crazy, maybe. But I don't know. That's just how I feel. Schwab, we got the Twins coming up on the road. Then we got the Flubs at the cell. I'm going to try to go on Wednesday. You're a brave, brave man, Nicky Legatuda. Are you rooting for us against the Twins? Dude, I'm always going to root for the Sox, but it's one of those things where... You know, I think I referenced earlier, like the the art, the you know thing I saw today, where it's just like he's done with the socks. I'm done with the socks, man. I like. <laughs> I'm I'm never gonna tell you I want them to lose. I'm always gonna hope that they can pull off some damn miracle. But at some point in time, it's just like they just bring me uh, they bring me pain and suffering, and I don't want to suffer anymore. We won today on a Thursday, no less. A damn miracle! We're turning the season around. So you want the matchups this weekend? I do. Tomorrow we got Lance Lynn versus your boy Joe Ryan. It's not good. Um. Saturday, Dylan Cease versus Sonny Gray. We're getting their best, huh? I think Pablo pitched today. Pablo did pitch today, and then Sunday it's Giolito versus Bailey Ober. Ober's been somehow. The, the Twins are pulling pitchers out of their ass. Hey, give me a break with that rotation being the best in the league. Again, it's... That's why maybe you want to get a Jackson Holiday because that rotation's... Re- Come on. That's like... I know they traded a rise for Pablo, but Sonny Gray just all of a sudden being incredible and then Ober being good or Ober and Joe Ryan for Nelson, half-year Nelson... Nelson's still haunting us to this day. All right, so Schwabi, 
Next five games, you got the matchup twins. Then we got two at home against the Flubs. What do we go? And then I'll do my I'll do my prediction. Well, real quick, you got the Flubs matchup. Yeah, let me pull that for you. It's Hendrick Tuesday. We're off Monday. Tuesday we have Kyle Hendrick versus Tukey. <laughs> Wait, can I pencil in Tukey in the twenty-five rotation? Yes. <laughs> Tukey will never die. And then we uh, we end it with Strowman versus Kopech. Oh, jeez. Uh, I've got two and three. Uh, and I, feel like I, am, I feel like I'm ambitious going two and three. Oh, this team, this team is, makes me drink. I'll go two and three, too. Yeah. I don't want to steal your thunder, but two and three is fair. We'll probably go one and four. I wouldn't put it past those because, like, I'm almost banking on like a Kopech over Strowman game, which I don't feel <laughs> super confident. Two depressed White Sox fans. <sighs> the only hope, <laughs> the only hope is that they, the Cubs trade Strowman prior. <laughs> yeah, good point. And then the Sox That's trade very, Dylan Cease immediately after. That's very possible. Very possible. Yeah, Maybe we'll have Jackson Holiday on the team in a week in Birmingham. Yeah, he can be part of Project Birmingham no, 2023. Sox will send him down to low A. Yeah, but bring him up for Project balls. Birmingham for the end of the year. All right, Schwabi, we got to end this thing. Thanks for coming tonight. It was a late one, but it had to be done. Had to. State of the Union for the White Sox. It was fun, man. I, I know depressing at times, but we we both we both are gluttons for punishment, and we love it. So we'll see what happens this week. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next week. See ya.